technique and drills make you go faster, not getting fitter and fitter and fitter. More technique, more downwind, and honing skills. You're never too old to change bad habits, and you're never too old to learn new ones. I can teach you all the mistakes. I've had so many mistakes in this life of mine, long life, paddling life, and why should you make the same mistakes when I've already been through there, done that, bought the t-shirt a number of times, Hi there, welcome to the Coach Tulupski podcast. These episodes are taken from Oscar's live interactions with his Oscar's club members and are great for anyone looking for insights into paddling faster and having more fun. It's going to be interesting to see some of the questions I've got. I've got a couple of questions. Anybody can ask questions live as well. I'm inside now because they're working on a house just next to us there, so it's a bit noisy. But as you can see, a nice Hawaiian-style house where... Um, it's nice and high ceilings, lovely breeze coming on through here, although there hasn't been much uh, wind of late. We've had some fantastic paddles. I hope you've seen some of the videos. And for the next three days, and I'm just looking at um, Winguri here, and it's not looking too good up till Friday. And then Saturday morning, we're gonna go to Hawaii. And then hopefully Saturday and Sunday, Sunday is the race day, um, we should have some wind. So it's going to be holding thumbs because doing the channel 52 kilometers, 32 miles with no wind is pretty tough going. But um, it's an old story. Most of the races, 99% of the races that I start are always finish. So I plan to be doing the same no matter what. My partner, Seth, who put us up in this beautiful island of the big island of, uh, of Hawaii. It's very different. They've got, apparently there's 22 different kinds of uh, climates and uh, out there and um, big island has got uh, just short of two ice, total ice age and, um, and it hasn't got complete desert. So it's a magnificent. Just Paddle Faster has joined us, and that's good. My wife was waiting, she said, oh, yes, Jasper, Jasper is wanting to uh, speak to me, but Just Paddle Faster, when I gave that to Claire, she laughed and said, oh my gosh, I can't believe he's done that. So we're nearly on the hour. It's uh, midday here. It's about 11 o'clock in, uh, in uh, London where my daughter is, and it's 12 o'clock in Barcelona, or Marseille, where my son is. So we've got the League of Nations again. Again, this is what I tend to do at least once, or once every second. Steve Ulrich, coming from, uh, from Texas, must be getting pretty hot there, because it's pretty hot here as well. We've done the, the bulk of our training now in uh, Hawaii, so it's now a bit of tapering off. Tapering is a very interesting concept. Uh, in the old days, they used to do like one and two week tapers. I think the older you get, the, the, the less uh, long tapers you need. I mean, at the end of the day, at our age, every day that we don't paddle, some of our muscles start deteriorating. When you're young, you can get away with it. I, I, I used to remember I could stop paddling for a week just about, and it didn't affect me. It just made me stronger. But nowadays, as you get older, my age, 56, you actually don't want these long tapers. You want to keep on uh, paddling, even if it's mainly technique. And in fact, the only way you can improve towards the end of your, your training for a major race is just, just to concentrate on technique, technique, technique. Technique's gonna make you go faster 
straight away as opposed to putting in hours and hours here. Oh, okay. Warming up a very good wind. So, so Steve, I hope you've been using the winds to do a few uh, downwind paddles. That's what we've been doing here. When the wind was up, we went with our speedboat, you might have seen, and, paddle, and, and drove 45 minutes and we were in the channel and we were doing one and a, one and a half, two, two and a half hours of downwind paddling. Because when there's wind, you must use it, no matter where you are, because that's where you're going to improve your downwind skills. Okay, so one of the questions, technical, fairly technical, is about cadence. A lot of people are worrying about cadence, saying what is the ultimate cadence? It's very interesting, cadence is something that uh, everybody talks about, doesn't really understand it, and it's interesting, yesterday I was doing a, a technique session with trying to increase our speed and, and trying to keep the cadence the same. And, and my partner, my paddling partner, his cadence was higher than mine as soon as we went faster. So his cadence was high and we're in a double, so he was a little bit out of time. So two things I did there, I said, listen, you've got to have more pressure at the start of your stroke, and then you must actually concentrate on keeping in time and make your paddle a little bit longer. So, so many people, if you take all the best paddlers in the world and you made them paddle at 12 kilometers an hour, the actual best paddler in the world will have the lowest cadence. Which means that when he increases his speed, his cadence just increases slightly to increase the speed. Now, if your cadence is already fast and you try and increase, eventually you're gonna bottom out or top out at five or 10 or 15 kilometers per hour. The whole secret of keeping a low cadence at 12 kilometers an hour is that when you increase your speed, you don't want your technique to fall apart. That's why I reiterate and I stress all the time, you've got to keep doing your technique session as Steve, you said you've been doing them. And, and just to explain what I try and say is in your group, if you start in paddling at six kilometers an hour and then the next 158 kilometers an hour and the next 210 kilometers an hour, once you've perfected that, the next one you start at nine kilometers an hour, then 11, 13. So you keep on trying to get your speed faster, trying to keep your cadence right, because many people have the problem, and I know that's why I come back to cadence, is as soon as they start going fast, their cadence increases, but their speed doesn't get any better. So you really gotta concentrate on the power stroke. The perfect analogy is, when you're on the biggest gear in your bicycle and you want to go faster, all you do is try and push hard on the pedals, go up the hill, whatever. You don't, you don't, uh, the cadence will increase automatically because you're forcing harder on the pedals. That's what you want to happen. Not the other way, which happens in paddling all the time, is that people start wheel spinning and they actually go slower. So cadence is something to really try and make your cadence go lower by having a very uh, number one, at the start of your, of your stroke, your whole paddle, whole paddle buried, that will straight away slow your technique. And then make sure your paddle doesn't go past vertical. Once it's gone past here, you're wasting your time and that's what makes your cadence go quicker. Okay. So, yeah, so Steve, as, as I see, one of the questions were, were that, you, that the drills are kicking your butt, that's what they're meant to be. And, and again, they're working on small parts of your paddle stroke so that you can feel, of course, pushing down on your, using your weight, straight away you are gonna hurt the, the lats because you're pushing down. That's gonna affect it. Now, 
and again, if you start doing leg driving, you suddenly find that your legs are going to be sore. All these things are there to help small little parts of your, of your stroke so that you can keep on improving. No use just going out there and paddling and paddling in the wrong way. Rather spend the time doing techniques. Okay, so one of the questions, not for anybody in America or the Northern Hemisphere, but our Southern Hemisphere friend came from uh, New Zealand asking, what do you do in cold winter mornings? Well, there's a few options. Number one, if you want to actually uh, practice your, your, your kayaking technique without getting wet or without getting cold, you can go to the gym. And I've devised a whole lot of gym exercises, which I'll be putting them up shortly, that encapsulate the technique. I'm not one for big gym, but I'm one for any gym that's going to help our technique. So exactly doing one arm rows, but understand, look at my arms straight in the, in the gym on a ball, you know, and then doing dumbbell flies like that on a ball. So this is the exit and then doing tricep push downs. This is putting your paddle in the water. When you put the paddle in the water, you have to do this. So your tricep push downs. And then what Steve's feeling now, if you do lateral pull downs, pulling on a full ball, pulling down like that, you'll feel the lats. So again, it's from when you're here and you're pushing down on that blade and using your, your power of your, of your weight, you're going to feel your lats getting worked. And then obviously if you've got those machines, those pulley machines, feel the, when you're doing top hand drill, feel the push from the shoulder, from the shoulder. One-legged squats on the half pull is an absolute winner because that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to emulate exactly what we do in the boat through the gym so we don't have to go to this cold water gym again other way is to actually jump into the swimming pool get your paddle and do all the drills in waist deep or, or even then in the swimming pool you can do it as deep as you like so you can actually feel the effects of good technique in the water with your paddle and you just haven't got the instability of, of paddling a, a boat which makes you more unstable so and again mix it up you don't have to paddle every single day I like to do swimming, I like to do cycling, and, and you can always ride uh, on your stationary bicycle or run on your, on, your, on your treadmill. But mix it up. Training must be fun. It's not there to kill you, it's there to improve and have fun so you enjoy it more. Um, he has a question, uh, and, and, and just paddle faster. <laughs> um, as you said, I, pr I pretty much answered the, the question when it comes to uh, gym. I'm not into big gym. The bottom line is um, when I'm pulling like this, that's not what I'm trying to do in the boat. I'm trying to get there and trying to keep my arms straight and use my rotation as opposed to pulling with my arms. My arms are weak. And if I pull with my arms, I'm going to make my paddle go past vertical, which is wasting my time anyway. So as you, as you, uh, uh, I'm going to try and get that, uh, those gym exercises done as soon as possible. So you'll have them up. I've got the photographs that'll, that I can uh, load anytime. But again, uh, just paddle faster. Spend time doing exercises that simulate your technique, the correct technique, not just going out there and doing nothing. Okay. Jane. Okay, just uh, I, I sent a few photographs. If you look in the group, how to hold your paddle. So just to reiterate it again, so you can hopefully you can see what I'm trying to do is, is make sure 
that my wrist is straight. You see that? My wrist is, mustn't be like this and like this. Try and keep it straight and natural. And only grip the paddle with the front, with your four fingers here. So you're not trying to grip it. Don't grip it. You don't need to, okay? So that on the pulling hand, you're going to be like that. I hope that it shows it, okay? And you're not like this, okay? You don't need that. So the end of the day is just holding it nice and straight, pulling. When it comes out, you can maybe just close your, to go out. And then when you're pushing forward, again, keeping a straight wrist, push forward like that. You, you can't even leave this thumb off. Push forward like that. Because many people get blisters on top of here. As you get better at, at this technique that I, that I reiterate, is that it shouldn't affect it that much because you're pushing against there, as opposed to pushing against here when your elbow's up. When your elbow's up, you start getting a, a big uh, corn here. When your elbow's down, you can actually push. So again, in the wind, sometimes you might have to hold it, but even if you're going through, just open your hand and then grip. Open your hand and grip. Don't grip so tight. As soon as you go tight, you can see the tension. Even in this video, you can see my tension over here, tension in the shoulders, the shoulders straight away come up. Must be loose. So you don't grip the paddle, you just, your hands are like a claw. There you go, claw, and you pull, and then when you're coming out, you might just hold it a little bit, and then you push there. You can even open your hand completely as you get better at it. And, and this one of the question was, when you're trying to get the, the stab in, or the, or, the, the, or the catch, you'll see that gravity will take over, and you just pushing with both hands down like that should be good enough. If your hand is slipping, then put some wax, or some people want to put grips. I see Terry uh, is watching all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Welcome, Terry Knowles. Um, another question was, uh, some advice, I've been doing lots of your technique drills and now really suffering from painful behind or bum or backside or whatever you want to call it. How do you fix that? Okay, some people have got skinny asses and they've got no meat on their bone. You can put a pad in. Remember, there's a few secrets about putting a butt pad in your boat. First secret is that if you put a thick butt pad, 10 millimeters, that's gonna make your stability get worse. Because every millimeter your butt goes up means that your center of gravity is going up, which means you're gonna be a slightly more unstable. That's normal, okay? Once you put the butt pad in, make sure, and this is very important, that you've got a plastic bag over your, your, your butt pad because I see too many people put the butt pad on and they think they're slipping. They're slipping. It doesn't work. You can have two or three pairs of pants on. I don't care. I tell you right now, you have to have an either plastic Teflon coating on it or a very slippery uh, butt pad. Or just go to your local um, uh, um, store where they give out those plastic shopping bags. Put that on. You just You just curl up uh, duct tape and you put it along and put it on and make sure you've got a nice, very slippery surface. You don't realize how much a, a rough surface inhibits your rotation because then you're not rotate, you end up rotating here, you think you're rotating, as opposed to rotating from, and you can see my legs, everything is moving together. Okay. Uh, seating position, okay. Somebody's asking me the right seating position. Obviously, it's one of those, some people are very, they go crazy on how to sit. The bottom line, sit like you're comfortable. That's the most important thing. So 
uh, and I showed a video, a photograph of me, I just sit as if I'm, I, I slouch a little bit. I'm not up here and trying to be like a yoga specialist. I just sit completely naturally. But the most important thing, when you're seated, is just to be in the, the default position and rotate and let your calf or your hamstring touch the bottom of the boat. So what'll actually happen when you're starting, you'll touch the bottom of the boat. And then as you get better at rotating, this is very important, as you get better at rotating, you're gonna have to bring your footrest closer to you because you're gonna be bottoming out. The more you rotate, the more your leg is gonna to touch the bottom of the boat. Now, if it touches the bottom of the boat before you finish rotating, you've gotta bring it closer to you. So that's a very good explanation of how you're rotating, is if the further, closer you have to bring that pedal means you are improving your rotation in fact it's funny that my part my doubles partner is gone down he was at 15 then 14 this is how many notches he was away from the back of, of his nilla 600 and now he's on 12 the same amount of holes so he's slowly improved his rotation when i came here he had the outrigger rotation which is like this and like this as opposed to this and this, which engages your legs. Okay, so I hope that uh, helps you. So understand, some people lean back, some lean a little bit forward, but the bottom line, you must be comfortable. Don't lean too far forward because then your stomach pushes into your, into your lungs and that will inhibit your, your, um, will inhibit your breathing. George Schweitzer from California has joined us, welcome. Um, just going through a few questions and answers, more answers. Changing paddle length. Steve, this is from Steve Lowry. How do you change paddle length when you've got a mechanism that is not so efficient? Okay. So interesting thing is he's talking about a Yantex paddle, which has got like a clip that goes like this. What you do is you get a little uh, piece of uh, insulation tape or duct tape. You wrap it around that, that piece and then you can actually bite your clip open. You've got to be able to adjust your paddle length. Believe me, once you've started adjusting your paddle length, you'll find it, it's a revolution and makes it so much easier. As you get tired, uh, you just open your, uh, uh, close your paddle to, to a shorter length and you'll feel much better and you'll find that your cadence will increase or keep the same because you're getting tired. So work out methods of how to, to undo your uh, paddle clip. There are some old ways. Remember that in the Monica, where I am now racing uh, on Sunday, is the first uh, paddle that Greg Barton designed. It actually had a, like a hose clamp. So I used to have to do this to undo the paddle. This is in 25 knots of wind and 30 foot waves. Obviously I was bracing, take it apart, and make it shorter and wind it all the way back on. So that clip that you got, Steve, all you'll have to do is just put like a, like a bite valve on it. So you just bite it, open it, push it in and remember when you're doing your changing your paddle length uh, make sure that you are in the brace position so you don't fall out okay so th those were all the pre uh, pre uh, pre live uh, questions now it's up to a few live questions what I'll what I'll do now is I'll just give you a breakdown of, of my of the training we've done we've probably done about 80 miles in the last uh, four or five days. Most days, um, a technique session in the morning and then downwind in the afternoon. I like to do that the most and always keep that, you know. Um, 
never forget technique. I don't care how good you are. The best in the world are always doing technique and even now technique. So now leading up, there's absolutely no wind and I hope the winds, God say, they're gonna come back on Saturday. The race starts at 10 o'clock. So this whole, from Tuesday, I have been setting my paddling clock to 10 o'clock. So every session I do is at 10 a.m. to get in with the program because as I say, you have to make sure your ablution's done, you have to make sure you've eaten before. So I like to eat four hours before if I'm gonna eat. Because you don't want your stomach to be trying to uh, uh, digest all this food while it's trying to give you maximum power while you're paddling. So that's why at least four hours, so it's out the system, and then I'm ready to take on the Molokai channel, which is gonna be very hot. Uh, hopefully there, there, there's gonna be some, uh, some wind because it is tough, it's a tough course. I mean, the temperatures now have been about 91 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 32 or 33 degrees, and the, and the, and the sea temperature is about 26, which is about, I don't know, 26, must be something around the 75 or 80. So it's very hot. Um, so you've got to climatize, so that's why every paddle from now on is always at 10 a.m., because that's the race time start on Sunday. So you've got to get used to everything because you want to get everything out your system before you start at 10 o'clock. That's why we're flying over to Molokai on uh, Saturday morning and we will fly over there, get in the water at 10 o'clock, do a little small paddle, nothing big, a little few uh, drills, see where the start's going to be and then uh, a nice uh, lunch and dinner. When I'm racing in a major race, uh, no alcohol for the two nights before, which is quite tough for me. Not that I drink that much, but I enjoy my glass of champagne or white wine or something like that. So I really make sure that I've got no problems. It's interesting that when I, I work with HRV, which is heart rate variance, I use the, the, the Garmin watch that tells you every morning. So I've been measuring every morning and while I've been doing these big sessions twice a day and 20 miles and 25 miles, my HRV has been going through the roof and then the last hard day it was 55 then yesterday it was 22 and this morning it was 15 so it's come all the way down getting ready for the race so again you've got to be aware of your body you've got to be aware of your body and make sure that you that you rest it it's always the most difficult thing is for athletes is to rest because everybody thinks you have to just train harder and harder and harder Okay, so the question about Molokka, how does everybody get their boats over? It is a big mission. Every boat, every guy has to have an escort boat. An escort boat can run you between $800 and $1,000 to do this race. So this race is not cheap. Um, so what happens is they normally charge you $100 to send your boat over from, normally from Oahu to uh, Molokai. And then... Some of the people, the reason why we start at 10 a.m. and not uh, 8 a.m. like we used to, is that some people, and a lot of people, fly in in the morning, because the Molokai, the, the, the accommodation is quite difficult to get uh, accommodation in Molokai. So what, we do, what the guys do is they fly over the morning, and hopefully the plane doesn't have any problems, and they get to the beach, on the beach, and off they go, and they pick up their boat. So you'll see now, Molokai, all the boats all normally arrive on the Saturday before, but the paddlers sometimes arrive in the morning. So every person, person has to have an escort boat and that escort boat can give you water, so it's, it makes it a bit easier. Not that I normally take 
much water. I mean, I, I, I suspect in this race I might have 200 milliliters of water. We'll see. Again, depends on the weather. Depends on the weather and how well um, I've adjusted and how strong I am. But I'm feeling good. Um, it's going to be a, the Molokai. I don't think I've ever done an easy Molokai race because the wind is not directly from behind. It's quartering. So we're trying to go there and the wind's coming from the side, you know. So there's big swells that you can try and surf, but they take you the wrong way. So at the end of the day, you have to be surfing right all the time. So the Molokai, as I say, this is my, I've been coming for since 1983 is my first ever Molokai, which I managed to win and beat um, Grant Kenny, who had won it four years in a row. Uh, Terry Knowles will know him. And then I won that for seven years on uh, a row. And, and, uh, and that was good until they banned me because of, um, because I was um, training in South Africa, even though I got a German passport. But that was the apartheid, that was the past. Can't cry over spilt milk. I got affected at the sort of prime and peak of my, of my athletic ability and my athletic ability age. But what can you do? That goes with it, can't cry over spilt milk. Carried on and, and won 12 of these races, the last one being 2012. This year I've been traveling around, doing lots of coaching and everything, so I just didn't have the enough training to go for a win, so I decided to go doubles, teaching uh, Seth Coppers how to paddle better and taking him across the channel, which is gonna be fun. And we'll see you next year, we'll see how hard I go, and I don't have to prove much. I can't see too many people catching 12 too easily. Uh, Dean's got nine, and he's apparently also paddling at a double, and I think Hank's got two or three. Um, Clint Robinson's got two or three. So the main players are all here again for the race. Um, I won't be in the, in, the, in the singles race, but I'll be having a race of my own. Hopefully having a lot more fun than everybody because we're paddling a very uh, stable Nello 600 double, which is, which is uh, sort of a beginner's double. Anybody can paddle it. Nice and stable, fun, easy to turn. And uh, that's going to be a, a, a fun race. I know it's going to be a fun race. And Seth will hopefully add to the fun. But again, doing anything for three or four hours starts getting a bit uh, like a pain in the butt. But when you finished, the champagne always tastes better and, and the beers and the fun and the camaraderie is always better. But it's a tough race. It's not an easy race. And uh, I think I must sign off now. Otherwise, poor Cam's got to can this so all the people that weren't live can, uh, can um, watch it afterwards. Uh, thank you very much for all your support and uh, hope you enjoying and learning. And don't forget to give us feedback on any improvements. Uh, you guys are the only 40. We've limited to two of the exclusive and 40 of, of you guys. And we want to perfect everything till we let it out to the public and hope to help everybody. I'm signing off now and hopefully next time I'll probably be talking to you from maybe in Dubai after the Molokai, tell you a few war stories and in Dubai where it could be 40 degrees C which is like 110 degrees uh, fair enough. Cheers for everybody and thanks again for joining and uh, hopefully we can get the timing right so more people can listen. Cheers.
Shaka. Hi there, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if you want to join Oscar's club or get access to his free technique video series, you can do that by visiting coachtulipski.com.